Hello, I'm Dr. Margaret, and welcome once again to my show, Journey into an Unknown World. I've been doing this show for a while now, and uh, today I thought I'd like to talk about theology, philosophy, and spiritual matters. I'm grouping them all together because at this particular time, I've been having lots of people talking to me about their ideas in relationship to things that they've been brought up to believe in think, feel, etc. So let's get right into the matter and say, what would you be like if you'd been born in a different time or a different place with different schooling? How would you see your religious beliefs or your philosophical attitude? For example, I was watching some Messiah people in Africa the other day and I could see that they were very, very concerned about their diet and their hunting rituals and such things like that. But it is well known that they are very, very spiritual people. And a great deal of their philosophy and theology about themselves, their tribe and their world and the way they think is all related around the very natural things that they've been able to do throughout their own history and much of their history was recorded and sent down by word of mouth throughout time. And here they are in Africa with no food, no animals to hunt, no way to really practice their own personal philosophy, and at this time are finding themselves really losing their balance. Now that's a simple tribe. What happens with people who go to school and are told you are a Catholic. You must believe in the Catholic philosophy and theology of the day. You must practice the rituals and rites such as taking Holy Communion. I know when I was a small child I was born into the Church of England. Now the Church of England was structured because of Henry wanting to get divorced. And as a result of the Catholic Church saying, hey, you can't get divorced, there was a lot of bloodshed. Henry kept marrying and divorcing his women until finally he grew too old, got diseased, and couldn't worry much about women anymore. So what is it that really defines us as human beings. I know that when we're very young, we are taught immediately to believe that there is God, but there is something deeper inside us that tells us there is a God. Something that makes us believe what these people say to us. Now, I have talked about this on the show before, but I wanted to really say about the different words that we use all the time. Let's take the word theology. It's the study of religious practices. It's the understanding of what those practices take us to believe in terms of our faith built upon our experiences of how we feel during these practices. Now I know that when I used to go to the church as a young girl, 
and walk very sedately down the aisle towards the altar, I would get this sense of piety come over me. I would get this sense of angels and peace entering into myself. And I would get right up to the altar and then I would think to myself, I've been told this is a very holy place. This is like the holy of holies for me. I have to be on my best behavior. I mustn't sneeze. I mustn't trip over anything. I have to be very careful. And I have to understand that whatever goes on here, I'm in God's hands. Now I have to admit that for all of that education, I was afraid. I was taught to be afraid that I would make a mistake and that God would not accept my practice of my religion and philosophy in some way because I had a bad thought or I'd done a wrong thing. But I wasn't really to understand what that was, of course, until I was much older. And when it came time for me to be confirmed into the church, meaning that I was going to stand up for myself and take on the promises that my mother and father had made on my behalf as a young infant and then say that I was going to follow the same practices as my parents had done and promise to love God in all the ways that I'd been trained to believe and was going to do everything without question. To me, that was a big decision in my life to be confirmed. What did it mean? Well, I have to be honest. It actually meant that I might go down a pathway of becoming a nun. Or, as I'm a teenager, I just might like to use it as an excuse to join the youth group that belonged to the church. So I had a dichotomy here. Which pathway was I going to go down? Now, since I've always been psychic and spiritually aware of angels and guardian angels and entities of various degrees of ascension or descension, I was very, very cautious about whether or not taking on this promise to God was really mine. So I began to search and that took me into philosophy. Now, we all learn in school that there were great philosophers like Plato and then we have more modern ones, people who are now considered therapists. And so in those days, remember I was only 14, that made me, it made me, what year was that? That was 19, about 57. Um, I was looking at what What's this meaning? What philosophy could I understand? Who was around to really talk to me about what these promises were meaning? I was going on a quest all over the place to ask different people different questions. I enrolled in different churches and talked to different priests and people. And wherever I went, they always told me, well, this is what we believe and this is what you have to believe. If you want to become a Methodist or a Baptist or a Catholic, you must take on the rules of our church and you must behave in the ways that we tell you. And of course, if I said to them, well, why? And what was I to gain out of this? 
Most of the times I was told, you ask too many questions for your own good, and our philosophy is complete and perfect. You don't need to go on this search. You don't need to have a quest. And in fact, the more I did search, the more confused I became. But I didn't want to disappoint my parents, and so I did enter the Church of England, and I did get ordained in my own mind by the blessings of the Holy Church. In other words, the Church of England. See, that's where my mind was at at that moment. And that blessing into the communion was an ordination for me. Yes, I felt the Holy Host on my head. It was energy that entered the crown chakra, and I was amazed. I went back to my friends in the pew and said, did you feel that? And they said, what? I said, well, that tingling, burning sensation on the top of your head when the priest laid his hands on you. No, no, they said. Well, later I told my mother, and she said, ah, you're truly blessed. That was the Holy Spirit. But what was the Holy Spirit? Well, when I asked people, they didn't really seem to know. So I was even more confused. And the only place I could go to ask any questions of any sense to anyone of any deep knowledge and wisdom was to turn to my spirit guides. And even today, now that I'm old and gray, I always ask myself, what does my spirit guide say? And I'll take that quiet moment and I'll go into my own spiritual practices. S practices that I have evolved into over the years because they suit me. Now, if you're having a problem with your religion and philosophies, the things that you've been trained to believe and think, and you're having a sense of guilt and anxiety about not attending all the rituals and so on, you might want to talk to me. And if you do, you can talk to me at drmargaretrvc at gmail.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-R-V-C at gmail.com. Or you can write to me on my computer through Twitter, drmargaretrvc. But coming back to this subject, I realized when I was 14 that many of the adults in my world had no clue about what philosophy really was. So of course, in those days I turned to the dictionary and read all the words that I could find that might explain how I felt or how I thought. Philosophy was basically a purpose of life, a way to live your life according to points of view. In other words, a debate. Everyone was entitled under this idea of debate to have a creative concept about what God was, what hell was, what heaven was, or anywhere between. And as much as I asked my peers or my friends about what they believed the spirit world was like or what heaven and hell was really like, Nobody seemed to have any answers. So over the years, I began to ask my spirit guides more and more about what the world was like in the spirit world 
and in the lower astral, or as many people call it, hell. And as a result of that study work with my spirit guides, I did actually in later years write a book called The Way to Oneness. I'm currently rewriting it now and re-editing it and hope to have it in the public eye by next year or even earlier if possible. But what was so important to me in those young years was not so much what it was like in heaven or hell, but why people were insisting on me having their ideas and their points of views and insisting that if I didn't follow them, I was doomed to gloom and that I was not accepted nor part of their rituals and routines, therefore cast out. Have you ever felt you've been cast out? That you don't belong with the group? Well, of course today things are modernized. The world's changed. We've got computers, technology oozing out of our brains. But we still have this innate desire to belong to one another. And since we all don't go to church every Sunday anymore, leastways a lot of people don't, and since we don't have time to contemplate the beauty of our life because we're all staring at computers all day, it makes me wonder then how anyone really has time to think about their philosophy, their belief in who they are, their understanding of the spirit world, and of ways and means to contemplate their religious philosophy. I went to India a few years ago and of course a lot of those people are Hindus. I went to temples for Shiva and Vishnu. I spent a lot of time in meditation and contemplation in ashrams. And wherever I was I watched these people walking around with gorgeous auras, an air of grace and peace. They looked wonderful, they felt wonderful, but when I walked out into the street, there was chaos. People were swarming around, because there were so many of them, and they were all busy trying to survive, trying to make some rupees, anas as it was in those days. And I realized that when I saw how poor these people were and how controlled they were by the idea that they could reincarnate as an ant, a flea, or something worse, I began to realize that here was a philosophy, an idea, that we could be anything we wanted to be on a spiritual dynamic level, but on earth it was considered something to accept and believe that was possible, for me that seemed a bit far-fetched. So I went home and I tried to discuss it with my friends and all they would say is, well that's not true, use some little swear words to describe that and say, there's no way you're going to be a human being with lots of intelligence and then turn up in another life as an ant, it's got to be crazy. So. Where did they get that idea? Well, in the oneness, we all have unity with all life, and we all have to appreciate and value that life. 
So here we are thinking that we are very important, very separate in our religions, but in truth, we all have the same fear. Fear that we will be abused, misused, lost, forgotten, cast out, and most importantly, never remembered by God. So if you feel alone and miserable and don't really know why you're on earth, you might feel like you've got no motive, no direction. And so the next question really is, does philosophy or theology or even spiritual practices in rituals and rites really get you closer to God? When you practice those things, do you really feel God in your heart? This is a question I ask many, many people. And often they'll turn around and say to me, well, I think so. But when you really ask them, well, do you know so with your whole being, they usually come back to me and say something like, I'm not sure. Where am I supposed to feel that? How would I know if I'm connected to God or a devil? How would I know that the religious philosophy and theology that I've been taught is true? And that is a big question. It's a big question for everyone all over the world. In fact, Jewish rabbis have been debating the secrets of life since their recorded time, and that's before Moses, Abraham, and that kind of thing. Even the Egyptians were screaming within themselves to find the secret of ascension into the afterlife. The Greeks were often talking about philosophy of the gods, while the Romans thought a great deal about ending up in the underworld. So it's nothing new to us. Yet here we are in this modern age still debating what religion and philosophy means to us. I'd like you to take a pause and think about that for yourself. What does it mean to you in this technical age? In fact, was there anyone around you instructing you or telling you about religion, about philosophy? Did you get that training in school? Did you read any books that were compulsory? Or did you go to the library and sort out some books for yourself? Or maybe because you're younger still and used to the computer, you've done a little search to find out what other people say about life after death. It's time, I think, for us all to take a deep breath and think about that. I wrote a book called Discover Your Baby's Spirit. I think it's a very important book because it helps every mother to understand that no matter what the religion, no matter what the philosophy, your spirit self has already gone through a spiritual rite of initiation in the spirit world. You already bonded a long, long time ago and agreed to be together in this life and that the drama you do together and the drama you incubate and feed on throughout the growing years, eventually to go out into the world and share yourself with, is all of your own making. That in spite of or despite control, 
people telling you how to think and how to feel, something called your free will comes up. And the moment you feel it, you move into an independency that causes you to question your own existence and to ask yourself, why am I here? What do I have to do that will help me to become more spiritual and to connect with the oneness and my spirit guides? One of the things that I like to do is to channel spirit guides and write their words. And so I've written many books with their help. But one of the things I didn't expect to do was to write a book called Henry's Secrets. When I started it, there were lots of characters. I just kept on typing, kept on putting the story out. It got more and more complicated until finally I thought, well, you know, I've got so many characters, I've got so much going on here. It's a who done it, and I don't even know who done it because the murder was done secretively, etc., etc. And I thought, what a mess. And I realized that spirit guides were showing me this story because they were pointing out how complicated things may be, but somehow, as everything comes to a closure, all is revealed and there is an answer. And so by the end of the story, all my characters came together. I found out what the result was. And as I wrote the last line, I thought, wow, that is typical of our life. That's how our life is. So stop and think now how many people have been in your life and how many of those people have in some way tried to teach you some philosophy of some kind. It could be something very simple like they've just said, oh, that's the mirror image. Or if you don't bother now, what goes around comes around. Or maybe they've said, don't stick your nose in where you're not wanted. A lot of these sayings come from the old spiritual religious practices. And though we've sort of altered them along with our speech patterns and the way we phrase things, we still have the same rules buried deep inside us. Being a child of World War II, living in London at the time when there wasn't much to eat and everybody was looking at bombed out buildings and trying to put their life back together after it ended, religion was a very important thing. Everybody got dressed up to go to church on Sundays. So I had my Sunday best. The idea that I would wear my Sunday best in the week was an atrocious idea. <gasps> I would get it contaminated. It wouldn't be good for me. Well, now today you can go to church in your jeans as long as you walk in with a quiet mood and look like you've come for a good purpose to connect to God. So we've come a long way. We've realized that we don't have to spend a lot of money to look good in church. <laughs> but what do we really know about ourselves when we come into the presence of God? I'd like you to think about that 
it's very important. You know, when I wrote Discover Your Baby Spirit, I was talking about the hero, star, indigo, crystal, and liquid crystal children. And, of course, now we're in the technical age, they have all transformed and changed to become much more aware of themselves as spirit entities in their physical bodies. But back in the ancient times, nobody had an awareness that they were spirits. They thought they were humans, and any entity that appeared was a spirit, and that there was no balance between the two. Can you imagine not believing you don't have a spirit inside you? Can you imagine what it's like believing that a spirit could turn up out of the blue and put a curse on you and tell you that you are evil and put the fear in you that was so great that you could shake to death and just die there on the spot? Well, that's how nervous we were so long ago. We even had witch hunts. People were forced to admit they were witches when they weren't. That was hardship. And when we come forward into time, we look at the Holocaust, as it's called, and all the Jewish people that were suffering and killed. And then we go on even more into modern times, and we look at Serbia and all the things that went on there. Have we learned? Or are we still stuck in that loop of repetition, believing that we are superior to others, that our religion or our race or our philosophy is better than another. You might want to stop and think about that. Again, if you'd like to talk to me about your issues or have a reading even, you can contact me, Dr. Margaret, rvc at gmail.com or you can write to me at www.sumariscenter.com that's S for sugar U-M-A-R-I S for sugar again center spelled American C-E-N-T-R dot com and I will reply to you I do answer all my emails so let's come back to the idea that you might be a superior race that you're more technically advanced than others, that you are meant to be a supreme leader versus a small, scared follower. Whatever you're thinking, I want you to know that you've learned to think that way, that someone has put the fear of God, hear that, fear of God, into your brain and told you that unless you follow certain practices, you are lost. So I'm reaching out to all those people who feel they are lost. Whether you're in acute depression, whether you're stuck in some gang who's frightening you every day to believe that you have to belong to that group, whether you're alone in an apartment with no money, or whether you're out there in the world trying to do your best but feeling that you're always banging your head against a brick wall. 
I want you to understand this. You are never alone and you are never controlled by anyone except yourself. Fear is your enemy but also your friend. If someone tries to threaten you with religion, philosophy, theology, spirituality, rites, rituals of any kind, and you have an innate feeling that you don't belong in that type of group, you have all the power within you to say no and walk away. Now, if you look back through history, if you bother to research, you'll see that throughout life there have been people who have died because they've stood by their will to say no, but they've become living models for us, models for today to say that we are stronger now, wiser, that nobody is going to chop up our heads because we don't agree with whether we're Catholics or Church of England or Africans or black and white, etc. We are now in an age of acceptance, an age where we can understand that what Jesus taught us was resurrection, life after death, that what Buddha taught us was to walk the middle road, that what Mohammed taught us was that there must be discipline and order in religion and philosophy and to follow the code, to honor and respect one another. And what every great sage throughout time has taught us is to believe in the afterlife, in the word of God, and to know that those who seek the light shall embrace the oneness of all that is, the universe of God, that each shall receive wisdom and clarity in any given situation. And so we were taught, pray. Have you prayed lately? You know, prayer doesn't have to be a long ritual. It doesn't have to be the way you were trained to do it. It could be simply to just stand out in the open, in the sunshine, and feel nature and say, thank you, God. It can be standing in the middle of your office with all the busy things going on and saying, thank you, God. In other words, be aware of your environment and be aware that in that place you take up space and in that space you affect those who are in that place with you. In such a way we all integrate and share so no one is alone. And if you are sitting alone in your home or out on the street, if you have no money or you have no one to help you, pray because you must remember that you seek and you find. You knock and you ask and you know that a door will be open to you somewhere, somehow, because there is always a messenger. There was always someone ready to help. We are learning charity at this time 
all over the world, there are people that we will call avatars. They come amongst us to help us to learn to share. Open up your mind. Become aware of the fact that your neighbor might be an avatar for you. Become aware that your differences are all about learning to assimilate them. Ask yourself, why are you sticking to old routines and rituals that are not serving you a good purpose at this time? Why are you locked into routines that bring you into an emotional disaster of some kind? On the other side, realize that unity and charity covered with divine love can bring you all together to share and have these beautiful, gorgeous moments. And if necessary, to assemble in a church and praise yourself and God and know that whatever you do, you are a part of the whole, a part of the oneness. Over the course of these shows, I've really been trying to help everyone to see that there is always another side to the coin. I hope today that you've begun to understand that your philosophy and theology is both a hindrance and a guide. It's up to you to make your choices personally. It's up to you to decide what works for you and what doesn't. So don't let anyone bully you. Don't let anyone push you into something you don't feel drawn to. Don't believe hopes and dreams of others and fall by the wayside because they're never really your dreams. Think about yourself as able and capable of making choices. And when you have, choose your own way to meditate, to pray, and to connect to God, your spirit guides and the oneness. Whatever way you do it is your way, it's perfect. Whatever you choose to share with others, share it easily. Don't push it on anyone. Don't knock on doors and tell them that the way they live their life or the things that they think are wrong. Instead, ask, are you interested in what I know and what I feel? Do you want to hear what I would like to share? Maybe they will, and maybe you'll have a lovely day. Or maybe they'll say, no, not now, I don't have time. And whatever it is, it's going to be an experience for you. And in that experience, it will be one more way for you to decide, truly decide, what you believe, what your theology is, what your philosophy is, and what religion you wish to follow. It's your choice, it's your life, and it's your way, your way into the oneness. So keep in touch. Thank you once again for listening to my show. I'll be very grateful if you would tweet your friends and let them know about this show so that we can help more and more people. I know that it's hard sometimes in a busy life to take time out to listen to a radio show. But 
that's a way of life now. We have to make a discipline. We have to get organized. So my last advice to you is, for all your philosophy and theology, your religious consciousness, take time out to give you time for freedom, to enjoy the arts, to enjoy learning and listening, and doing what comes naturally, having fun. So until we meet again, stay safe. Bye.